thank you for joining us for another episode of God, Law, and Liberty with David Fowler, president of the Family Action Council of Tennessee. Every week, we are putting culture, politics, and law on a collision course with the truth of God's Word. And now, here's David. Welcome to this week's episode of God, Law, and Liberty, and I'm delighted to have you with me again today. And today, I believe, will be a special, special day. Uh, We're going to talk about some things that, to be honest, I never had heard learned, uh, didn't know existed, was out there, and uh, it may be the same for you today. So uh, I hope you'll find this uh, mind-blowing, actually, today, the greatness of our God and the foundation that has been laid for us in all things, in regard to all things, in Jesus Christ. Now, I know we're supposed to be an organization that talks about law and government and policy. But there's a verse of Scripture that makes it very clear that we will go wrong in all of those areas if we do not have the right foundation. And I'm going to confess to you, I just wrote a new book called The Naked Court, Understanding and Resisting a damnable United States Supreme Court. And, and in the book, I wrote an epilogue about how I had come to see that so much of my political, cultural, legal engagement over the last 20 years was futile in God's sight. I would encourage you to get the book. It's free online, a PDF, if you want to read it at our website. Uh, you can buy a print edition for $4.95. Uh, through Amazon. It's only 60 pages. But today we're going to talk about really the nub of this issue of foundations, foundations for everything, whether it's law or government or politics, your marriage, your family, your business, your educational system, whatever it is. And we're going to launch that discussion today with a passage from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 10 through 15. So let me just read them there. Paul says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Now he's saying this in the context of controversies of people saying, well, I'm a follower of Paul. Well, I'm a follower of Apollos, or I'm a follower of Peter. Uh, Much like we would say today, oh, I'm a MacArthur man, or I'm a Billy Graham man, or I'm a whatever else it is man. And he's saying, well, I, I laid this foundation, and another builds on it. But here's the key part. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Christ Jesus. So he's saying, I laid the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation other than Jesus Christ. Now, I'll confess to you that most of my life when I read that, I considered Jesus Christ as the foundation of my salvation. It's through him taking on human flesh, dying on the cross, uh, rising, ascending to heaven, that I had the hope of going to heaven and not dying in my sins and going to hell. And I suspect there are probably many who would fall in that camp as well. 
but if you'll remember from the podcast that we had with Dr. George Grant back in December of 2021, he agreed that no, this passage is talking about the foundation for everything is laid in Christ Jesus. Then Paul goes on to say that now if anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it'll be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, I've tried to figure out what that was saying in the past, and try to think, well, you know, you need to be building with gold or silver or precious stones, because if you're building with wood and hay and straw, well, uh, you know, that's going to burn up, and and then I tried to figure out, well, what, what is building with gold, what versus building with hay, and, and, and I realized that I don't think that's what he's talking about at all. You see, what he's saying here is that some of us are builders with gold and silver and precious stones, just, just like in the building of the tabernacle, just like in the building of the temple. Uh, God has given to his people all kinds of builders to build this temple of the living God that is the body of Christ. And, and there's no, uh, no disrespect in being wood or hay, no glory in being a gold, because God has given to each according to the measure of his grace given to them. And so they build with whatever it is that God has given them to use wherever he has placed them to build. But at some point, it will become clear what they have built, how they have built. And he says this, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, so maybe, maybe you're a wood builder, maybe you're a hay person, maybe you've been given lots of talents and gifts, abilities, you build with, uh, in the world's eyes, gold. He says, well, the question is, well, will it endure? He said, if it does, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, of course, fire is a revealing, clarifying, refining thing throughout Scripture. And what he's saying here is you may get to the end of your life, and on the great judgment day, things will be sifted, and, and you'll find that everything you have done is burned up. It was futile, was wasted in God's sight. Even though you may be saved yourself, you'll realize I wasn't building correctly. And, and what I've realized is that we can think we're building correctly simply because we're Christians or because we have a Christian moral value system on which we're trying to operate. But I don't think that's really what he's talking about at all. Because you see, that can be pure moralism, nothing to do with understanding that Christ is the only foundation for everything. And, and now we're going to talk a little bit about this because, uh, to be honest, the doctrine of the Trinity that is being alluded to here is not something that I grew up hearing an awful lot about. I knew that Jesus was the second person of the Godhead. He was the Son of God. He died for my sins. But what all was really entailed in that, meant by that, uh, seemed irrelevant to the question of my salvation. 
it was just, I guess, extra really good, nice stuff if you really wanted to, uh, you know, dig in and go further. But to get saved, to get out of hell and go to heaven, you just kind of needed to know some basic things. Sort of have an implicit sort of faith, not a real substantial one. And uh, so I want to look at some other verses that begin to give us a clue about the significance of why Christ is the only foundation for everything. So we're going to look at some passages now from Colossians chapter 1. These are verses 15 through 18. And here the Apostle Paul writes of Jesus that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now that expression we're going to talk about in just a moment, firstborn of all creation, because it's caused a lot of trouble over the centuries interpreting what that means about who Jesus is. But Paul goes on and writes, For by him all things were created that are in heaven. Now notice right there he's talking about Christ is the firstborn, but he's distinguishing that between that which is created. And that becomes very important. Jesus was not created. That has been a heresy in the church, that there's God, there's God the Father, and he created Jesus. That's what they meant by firstborn. Well, that's not what was meant by that. We're going to look at that more. But anyway, there's a distinction between Jesus being the firstborn over all creation and the things that were created by him that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. That's a great phrase. We're going to come back and look at that in a moment. And in him all things consist. Are you beginning to get the picture here of what Paul's saying about a foundation. You see, there is the Son who's the firstborn. He's before all things. All things come into existence through him. They maintain their existence through him. All things in him consist. And then he goes on to say, with respect to salvation, soteriology as opposed to creation and cosmology, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence in all things. Again, this notion that this is the only foundation for everything. If we don't understand that, we don't have the right foundation. We don't have the right perspective. We don't have the right interpretive principle by which to understand our world. And this ties back into these questions of unity and diversity. And this ties into the next passage that I want to read from Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 2 through verse 4. I've read it before, but here Paul is saying that I'm praying for you all. I want you to be encouraged. I want your hearts to be knit together and to come to the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the Father and of Christ. This is the great mystery of the ages that was finally revealed and made clear. The final word of God, as it says in Hebrews chapter 1, where he finally spoke in Jesus Christ to reveal the mystery 
of who God is, the triune God, and his relationship to all things. So let me continue here. He says, I want you to come to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, I've said this before, but it's not saying in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in relation to God only or in relation to salvation or soteriology, but all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. To know God as he is is to begin to have the wisdom and knowledge that man in his own wisdom lacks and does not have. And he says, I'm telling you this. Now he continues. I say this lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. And oh, my friends, how we can be deceived by persuasive words if those words are not taken back to and viewed in light of the foundation that's laid in Jesus Christ. Now, again, we're going to come back and talk about just what, what that really means and how wonderful that is and how magnificent that is and glorious it is, but, but let's keep pressing on. He then goes a few verses and says in Colossians chapter 2, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty or vain deceit. Sort of like the old idea, you know, of flagellation in, in some of the monasteries. You know, if I just beat my body with cords and chains and stuff, that, then I'm somehow making myself more holy, more acceptable to God. I'm bringing my flesh under control. And, and he's saying, that's just deceptive and empty. It does nothing to war against the dominion of sin under which you exist, from which you cannot escape unless you are recreated, born again, and transferred by God from the kingdom of darkness to his new kingdom. And he says, be careful so. I don't want you to be taken captive by philosophy and empty seed, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. We see it again. Come back to Christ. Come back to Christ. What is the answer? Go back to Christ. Start there and start building up from there and in light of that. And he says why? For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now that's a that's a powerful statement. We could spend a lot of time on that one. And he says, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. We have a lot of people today that are trying to find themselves, to be themselves. And all they do is look within themselves or perhaps look around them. And he's saying, no, 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 no. No, no, you're complete in God because you've been made in the image of God. And here's something that's going to blow your mind as it did mine. And the reason that, that you're made in the image of God is because in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
just as we're bodies. Now, I want you to stick with me and hang with me here for a moment. Go back to John chapter 1. It says in the beginning was the Word. And, and of course, if you've been in church any time, you know the Word here is referring to Jesus Christ, who is the Word, the Logos of God. And the Word, the Logos, was with God. So he's giving this Word, this Logos, he's putting it in the beginning, just as it says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God. And here we have the parallel statement, in the beginning is the Word. This Word was with God. Now that's an interesting statement. It would imply some kind of distinctiveness between the Word and God. And it says, and the Word was God. So here we've got a statement about the mystery of the Godhead and the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And then the Apostle John repeats what's been said in some of these other verses and is said in Ephesians as well. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In other words, this is, this is a deep thought. I'm going to say it in a couple of different ways, I hope, from some authors in ways that will make it clear and amazing and wonderful, and, and you can just feast on it for days, that without Christ being who Christ is, there would be no creation. There would be no creation. When I read that, I was floored. It had, it had never even crossed my mind that such a statement could be made, let alone be possibly true, that without the Trinity, without this understanding of God the Father and the relationship between Him and the Son, there could be no creation. But if that statement is true, you can see then why the Apostle Paul would say that no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid in Jesus Christ and could see why that statement is not just one of salvation or soteriology, but one of cosmology relating to all things. And next week, we're going to pick up on this and explain why that statement is, in fact, true. And Jesus Christ is, indeed, the foundation for all things, including law and government. And I hope you'll join me next week as we continue this discussion of foundations at God, Law, and Liberty. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. God, Law, and Liberty is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, please visit us at www.facttennessee.org. That's F-A-C-Tennessee.org. 
And please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fact Tennessee.